Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, special welcome to those of you who are joining us online today. It's great to have you with us. On behalf of the pastoral staff, we just want to say um, how thankful we are to you as a congregation um, just for, again and again, your willingness uh, to serve our city and to show the love of Christ uh, to our community. So thank you so much. We, we give thanks for you every week uh, during our staff meeting times, and uh, we just are so appreciative of all, of all that you do. Uh, let me tell you a little bit of a story before I get started here this morning. When I graduated from high school and went away for, to college, um, my parents moved, I went to college in Moncton, but my parents moved back to Saskatchewan that same year, and I kind of thought it was going to be great to be that far away from my family. Finally, I was free. And then Thanksgiving weekend came around, and I realized I was stuck in dorm all by myself. There was two other guys, a guy from Ghana and a guy from Cameroon, and there was the three of us. So we went to the store and we got our Mr. Noodles and our craft dinner and we were ready for a beautiful Thanksgiving feast uh, amongst the three of us. So we'd gone to church that morning, we came back to dorm, we were upstairs toiling over our meal. When all of a sudden we heard, is anybody there? Is anybody up there? And this couple came up into the hallway and they were on, had been to church, were on their way home and they stopped and said, I bet you there's people at the university who have nowhere to go this weekend for Thanksgiving dinner. And so they came and they found us. Now we generously offered to bring our craft dinner and Mr. Noodles as our <laughs> contribution to the Thanksgiving meal. They declined, I don't know why. Um, and we went there for lunch and we had a great meal. And they sent us home with pie, leftover pie. I tell you that story just this weekend, just thinking um, there might be some of you here, maybe not even just students, but someone that doesn't have anywhere to go today. Maybe as you're leaving even today, you just reach across the room and invite someone to come and join you. Most of you have overpurchased and overcooking in hopes of having leftovers right in, until about Thursday of this week. Uh, so let me just encourage you today to share your meal with someone. Uh, we're finishing up the teaching series we've been doing uh, over the last number of weeks. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to begin a brand new series uh, talking about fear. There's a lot of fear in our culture today. There's a lot of fear in people's lives today, and we're going to be speaking about that. But I want to draw your attention to Sunday, November the 19th. Um, we are going to celebrate our church's anniversary. It's a milestone. Uh, River Cross Church is 175 years old this year. Can you believe it? 175 years old. And we're going to give you some more information and details about that Sunday in the weeks to come, but just uh, we have so much to be grateful for over those years and God's faithfulness to us. Well, we've been going through the scriptures and, and wrestling with what it means to be the church. We started talking a number of weeks ago that every Christian is called in some way to live out their faith and to reflect the goodness of God to our world, in particular to the people whom you live closest to. We started talking about the fact that we represent the incarnated Christ, that God has sent us into the world. That is part of our identity. We talked about the fact that our reputation ought to be like that of Christ, that even the people that did not believe what Christ believed and did not like him, they liked him as a person. They did, may not have believed what he believed, but they liked him as a person. We talked about what it meant to have a conversation with people. And the power of the opportunity to sit down with someone and talk about faith and talk about where people are at and the way that God opens doors as we do so. Last week we talked about transformation. That it's our hope that every person would have the opportunity to experience the transforming grace of God in their life. And there's nothing 
more beautiful than seeing someone's life opened to the grace of God. And part of that transformation needs to keep happening in our own lives and how essential that is. And I want to encourage you today because I know as we've been talking about this, this stresses a lot of us out. This whole idea of allowing God to use us to share faith with somebody, to pray with someone, to to invite someone to church, it's scary. It's scary because our world has changed. Think about this. In 1963, the newspaper, the LA Times, published your weekly Bible reading verses for you. Think about that. The public newspaper published the Bible verses that you ought to read into the week. The world has changed. Churches are closing. Church attendance is dropping. Um, There seems to be this real move away from Christianity. And yet, there is an incredible openness to spiritual things. And people all around us are asking the very spiritual questions of life. And so we've been wrestling with over these last five weeks, what does it mean to be the church today, in this day? Not what did it mean 20 years ago or 50 years ago. And everybody's trying to figure this out. Church experts are writing thousands of books about this. There's seminars and all kinds of conferences you can go where people will tell you that they've found the answer. And if we've wrestled with it, we've wanted to present you with a very simple task to get you at the heart of this very thing, and that is pray for people. We've been inviting you to pray for four people every day throughout this series, and I really hope that you won't stop just because the series ends today. And it's been interesting, a lot of the feedback that we've been getting, some great stories coming out of this about people who've been going out for coffee and someone who said, you know, ever since I've been praying for my neighbor, I've been thinking about them more and, you know, I've invited them to dinner or I've given them a Bible. There's been so many great stories. But in the midst of those stories, I've also heard that there's fear. People who said, you know, I'm willing to pray for somebody, but after that, I'm stalling out. I'm not sure I could even be open to taking the next step. In fact, I had one person kind of comically confess to me saying, I've started avoiding the people that I've been praying for (laughs) because I am so afraid that they're going to come up to me and say, man, I had this dream about Jesus or, you know, man, I'd really like to read the Bible and wonder if you had one for me. They're so nervous that someone is actually going to open up to them and they won't know what to do in that moment. And actually, the fear is this, that they'll feel very alone. So I want to kind of lift the burden from, for you a little bit this morning. Because I think when we're in those moments, we do feel very alone. We feel like it's all on us. We might say it this way. There was a lady who said, I've been praying for my coworker. Uh, she works in the cubicle across the room from me, and God prompted me one day to ask her to go for a walk with me on our lunch break. So now I'm sitting there and I'm worried. I'm feeling that I have to ask her in some compelling way to go for this walk. I feel that I have to represent this perfect Christian life. I feel that I need to have great answers to her questions. And I need to be able to articulate the gospel in a way so eloquently that when I'm finished and we're walking by like a puddle of water on the road, she will look to me and say, what is keeping me from being baptized right here and right now? (laughs) So this is the pressure I'm living with. And maybe you feel this way as you think about the people that you're praying for. But nothing could be further from the truth. I want us to turn this morning to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, there's Bibles in the chairs around you. It's on page 1680. John 17, we're going to read just verses 20 to 23. Just a few short verses. 
These are great. This whole chapter, you should really go home and read the rest of it uh, later today. I know you've got a turkey in the oven, so we can't go over all of it. So we're just going to do the three verses, John 17, 20 to 23. John records Jesus is praying, and he's he's praying for us. But he's praying for his disciples in this story because they're going to take over the work that he's been doing. And Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father, having a conversation with him about him and about the disciples and about what that's going to look like in the days to come. So let me just read this for you. John chapter 17, 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In those short verses, there is a pile of activity going on. Let me just try to unpack some of these things for you. Because I think as you and I wrestle with what does it look like to be praying for other people, what does it mean to be God's presence in the world, there's some stuff here that we need to get our mind around. I love in verse 21, you are in me and I am in you. This is Jesus speaking to his heavenly father. You are in me and I am in you. This is the language of teamwork. And in my juvenile little brain, I picture them doing like a chest bump after they say this. We're in this together. We have this redemptive plan for the world, and we are working as a team together. God is triune, which means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And throughout the scripture, we see that God has this preference for doing ministry together with himself. God sends Jesus into the world. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to the church. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. When people get pointed to Jesus, Jesus gives glory to his heavenly Father. This is the way God works, like a team in and amongst himself. Even when Jesus was baptized, we get this snapshot of them working together. John the Baptist takes Jesus down to the river to baptize him. The Holy Spirit is there hovering. The word of the Father speaks to Jesus and affirms him. The three of them are there working together. They're sharing this together. There's a sense of joy as they work together. So if you and I are feeling the pressure of doing something significant of our own, Not even God did ministry on his own. He shared it with himself, and they worked at it together. Because God at his very nature is relational. So life and mission ought to also be relational. Now, I love in this passage, uh, Jesus speaks about the disciples in this passage. In fact, he prays for them, and he actually speaks about them a little confidently. If you're familiar with the Gospels and the stories of the disciples, uh, they blew it a lot. But in this passage, Jesus speaks about them so confidently. In fact, he invites us to join into what he's doing in the world. God the Father and the Spirit are working together to bring about redemption. But as Jesus prays about the continuing of this redemptive work, 
He includes us in it. We're going to look at the passage again, and I've highlighted all the words that include you and I in yellow. Let's just look at it again with this perspective. My prayer is not for them. That's us alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message. These are your four people. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Just as we're working together. I want to see my people working together for your purposes. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that, they, that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. That the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In this passage, as Jesus is praying about his redemptive work continuing, you and I are an integral part of it. We get called up into what God is doing in the world. And he invites us to join in. He's inviting you to join in what he's already doing. Look at verse 20. Jesus has been praying for lost people. Which is to say, Jesus is praying for the four people on your list already. He's been praying for them before you started praying for them. You are joining in to what he is already doing. So back to our story of the lady at the cubicle who's had this prompting of the Holy Spirit to invite her friend to go for a walk with her at lunchtime. And now she knows that Jesus has already been praying for her friend. And God's already actively at work in her life and is just inviting her to join in to what he's already doing. So in any situation where God is calling us to be involved in sharing Christ with people, the Trinity is already fully at work, but invites us to get involved. I love verse 23, because what Jesus is praying about in verse 23 is essentially this. The Father, the Spirit, and the Son are working together, united on this redemptive plan, and I wish my people would do the same thing. I wish those who are called by my name, Christians, church people, would also work together in the work that I've called them to do. That we ought to have each other's backs, that we ought to be praying for each other, offering support, helping, encouraging, financing, listening, sharing together, so that there is never a moment when anybody is either trying to live out the Christian faith or trying to share Christ with other people and they feel like they're doing it alone. No one should ever feel like they're doing this alone. And sadly, I think for too many Christians, being part of a church family just means sitting beside somebody for an hour on Sunday, and that's the extent of their contact with the family of God. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how much fun this is. And as I was thinking back, I was thinking about how much fun I have seen other people have, how much fun I have had over the years in watching people serve Christ together. I was thinking about corporately as a church. Um, I was thinking about the whole repositioning, you know, moving from one site to here, repurposing our Main Street location, changing our name, raising a couple million dollars, all of that little thing we did a few years ago. Um, we did it together. We did it together. I was thinking about Christmas ministries that are coming up soon and the 100 and plus people who will work together to serve hundreds and hundreds of people and they'll do it together. 
I was thinking about our big kids summer camp that we do here once every July and August. And the hundred plus people who will gather together and everyone will have their own part. But they'll do it together. And if you get a chance to be involved in those ministries or even just to kind of pop in and check, they're having a lot of fun as they serve together. I think about the fun life groups have in living this out. Um, there was uh, someone in our church had had a family member passed away. So I, I went to the service to support this guy. And um, I noticed that two rows of people from our church came also to show support to this guy in the midst of his loss. I think about people who've served on welcome teams with new Canadians. I think about groups, life groups that have gotten together and taken on ministry projects together. And the fun that they have doing it. Not alone, but together. And personally, in my life, I've experienced on so many different occasions encouragement from people, prayer support from people. I've gone into difficult meetings or difficult visits with people at times, and I've known that I could go into that without fear because there were people that were praying for me. I was not there alone. When you think about the call of God on your life to be a blessing to your neighbor and to the people of this city, you don't go alone. You don't go alone. So back to our lady at the cubicle. She's sitting there. She's been praying for one of her coworkers. The Holy Spirit has prompted her to invite her to go for a walk at lunch. And as she sits there, she remembers that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are already praying for her and already at work in her life. She remembers that in this passage, Jesus says that he has prayed for us. She gets out her phone, she texts some friends and invites them to be praying for her as she works up the courage to go and invite this person. And with renewed confidence and trust, she gets up out of her cubicle and she walks across the office floor. Friends, joining God on his mission to bring redemption to broken lives is an incredibly sacred privilege. But it does not all depend on you. God is there and God is active. He is not looking for experts. He's looking for servants who are willing to open their hands and say, Lord, my life is in your hands. It's available to you as you please. Now think about it just for a second as we close here. Imagine if 10% of this congregation, just this congregation, started, to living, started living with this availability to the Lord. It would turn this church upside down. I guarantee it. Now let's be radical and crazy and shoot for 25%. It would have an impact, a spiritual impact on the city of St. John if 25% of this congregation started living this way. Because the potential of this is absolutely incredible. And it would be a lot of fun. Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful that you would even see fit to invite us into what you're doing. We just pray that as we live this out, as we wrestle with what it looks like to be your people in this time and place, to be the face of Christ in our workplace, where we hang out with our friends at our school, that God, we would remember that you are there and that you are already active that the people that we have such a burden for, that you love them and have been praying for them. And God, that we are joining you in what you're already doing. We pray for our city.
We pray for those who are spiritually lost, who are wondering, God, is there hope? Would God even welcome somebody like me? Would they use the congregations of this city, Lord, to show them the way we pray? Amen. Stand together as we close.